Hello, San Bonani. Welcome to Union Bible Institute's podcast channel. UPI has been developing Christ-like seven leaders who are committed to Christ and His Great Commission since 1942. We provide affordable, accredited, and personal theological education in both Isizulu and English. We hope you enjoyed the following chapel message, preached in English and translated into Isizulu. For more messages, visit our website at www.upi.ac.za or search for us at all digital platforms. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it is treading up the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the in fear of um, stand in fear. In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without um, prejudging and doing nothing in partiality. Do not be hasty in laying hands of uh, in laying hands nor take part in sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine uh, for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Um, the sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also, good works are conspicuous, and even um, those who are not, uh, that are not, cannot remain hidden. Maybe in a business meeting, church meeting, or those kind of things. But I think God has seen it fit for us to hear. Probably we have um, relevant ears here. So we are reading in the, uh, in the book of, of Timothy. The first book of Timothy. Uh, there's a lot of things that have been said. I've learned that uh, this is a letter that was written by Paul in his first release from imprisonment in Rome. So I also heard that from, that from there he went to Macedonia in Philippi. And then he stayed there for two years in a rented house. And then he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power. And it is there where he decided to write a letter to Timothy. Timothy was his closest companion. A young man in the Lord. We hear of his spiritual upbringing. Timothy had 
spiritual relatives who promoted and supported his spiritual growth. But we also learned that he was a leader in Ephesus leading a church. But as a young minister, there were challenges that he was confronted with. There were conflicts that he had to handle. There were so many pressures as a young minister. And that's why Paul is writing a letter to him to give him a, a practical advice, to give him a counsel to encourage him and strengthen him. So when we go into chapter 1, he gives him a fatherly advice and he's telling him against false teachers and he's urging him and saying, hey my boy, hold on to Jesus Christ hold on to your faith in Jesus Christ and then he moves to chapter 2 he talks about the public worship and the importance of prayer but also gives order in how things should go in church. And then he moves to chapter 3 where he speaks about the qualifications of the leader. He gives specific criteria of bringing this to leadership. But again in chapter 4 he speaks about these false teachers. Because false teachers are always there. When they come to dilute what you have taught they confuse you. But then he speaks to, his, to, to Timothy and he's telling him how to identify this And then in chapter 5 He's addressing uh, the young and the old. It's a pastoral care. And then the portion where I am focusing on. It is the caring of leaders or elders. I've chosen to say uh, to care for ministers. So I'm speaking to you this morning about caring for leaders. Because they do need to be cared for. So I've looked at three specific ways in which you can be cared for. Uh, the first one is they, they need to be remunerated. And the second one, they need to be protected. And the third one, when they come into leadership, they need approval. You don't just ordain anyone because they feel like it. You don't ordain anyone because they know how to preach. But there are ways of checking whether or not they need to be. Ordained. So those are three areas that I'll be focusing on. In this so the verse reads. The specific one that speaks about remunerating these faithful ministers. 
Elders who direct the affairs of the church very well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is teaching and preaching. For the scripture says, do not master the ox while it is treading the grain. And the worker deserves his wages. In ancient Israel, an elder was an old person who can also participate in the church. He was an elder because of the age. But in this case, we hear of an overseer, an elder who is supposed to take care of the church. This has got to do much with his role, not his age. What is interesting here? The scripture says he who does it very well. He who rules or who governs the church very well. So, something that is done well, this term well, it denotes a word that is done with proficiency and excellency and diligency. It includes, it includes tiredness and weariness of body. This is when somebody is devoting him or herself into reading or studying of scripture for the benefit of others. A person who does the work very well. We know of pastors who do not do well. We know of pastors who are present but they are absent. When your congregants need you, you are not there. When your congregants need advice, you are not there. When they need preaching, you are not there. When they have got situations, you are not there. But this particular one is the one who does his work very well. Who is present to his congregants. That is a preacher or a minister that attracts double honor. What does this double honor mean? Does it mean that they've got to have an honor for being a preacher and honor for being a leader? Does it mean that they need to be given a lot of money? Or does it mean that they need to be respected? Or does it speak about just giving them uh, support and uh, material uh, support actually? All these things are true. 
But they only go to one who does his work very well. But the verse says, especially those who teach and preach. Being a minister of the word of God, you are standing in people's life in front of people's life I mean they see you they hear you they benefit from what you say the words that you say they are very important to their lives a minister who stands in front of the people is like a doctor in a surgery people's lives depends on what you are going to say so this is very important preaching and teaching is not an easy responsibility. Because things that you are going to say are going to transform people's lives. People are going to change the way they are doing things because they've heard you speak. People are going to decide to do things other ways because they've heard you speak. So this is not an easy responsibility. Preaching is expounding the word of God proclaiming it in front of the hearers showing the truths in front of those who are listening and then teaching the word of God when you are teaching you are actually imparting instruction to those who are standing in need of it you cannot teach somebody who doesn't want to be taught you teach those who want to be taught. So a teacher is the person who is able to take difficult passages and break down so that people may understand. A teacher will help his audience to understand the word of God so that they will, they will be able to lead their daily lives and use the practical side of And that is a teacher. And if you do that very well, you are that kind of a person who will attract the double honor. You are ruling well. You are teaching and preaching very well. And then why shouldn't you get what you deserve? And then it says here, these people do that they deserve wages. It says, do not muzzle the ox while it's treading the grain. A worker deserves his wages. We have these fonios. We have these fonios and we're wearing them even now. Yes. Except for me. But now it says, do not muzzle. Ungas, don't, don't do it. This is God speaking in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25. In the Old Testament time, when they were in their food production, they will harvest and then go to a threshing floor. A threshing floor was a plain circular ground that was situated at least in a higher level where the wind can blow so that it can separate the chamf. And they will take oxen 
and then tie them to a pole and then they will make them move around as they are moving around they are treading upon these uh, grains and then an ox is a very powerful animal it's a very strong animal very strong domesticated, domesticated animal that helps us to to do a lot of work. So as they were moving around with its hooves or their hooves they tread upon these grains. Those that are ripe will be separated from the shives. But the oxen was closed the mouth. It was a cruel pagan way of doing things. And so that it couldn't eat while it's working. Probably they are avoiding that it would, it would be disturb the process. But then God was against that. He says, do not muzzle the oxen. Because the strength that it produces this food with, it's coming from muzzle and let it keep that's what it was being said here so God wanted people to see his kindness that he can provide for them where they are working you might argue this but it's like it's saying a person who is preaching who is working in the gospel of Jesus Christ or God must live by gospel I know there are different types of people we do have people who are working to support their ministry but there are people who are full time in their ministry everything they do has to do with the ministry they sleep, they breathe, they eat ministry they preach they teach their lives dependent on what they do in teaching the gospel and those people they deserve to benefit from the gospel that's what Paul was telling this young man he had to see to it that ministers they need to get paid but not any kind of minister those who do very well those who devote themselves to the preaching of the gospel they need to do it very well so as a minister specialize in it specialize in preaching the gospel make sure that you pray pray teach be there in the lives of people be a relevant minister know what's supposed to be done when situations come do not be a minister who doesn't know what to do know about financial issues know about social issues know about health issues know things that matter most in the lives of those that you need be there for them when they need you 
It is at that point where they realize that no, our pastor is always with us. They have no problem with forking out their money. Because they know that you are working. They know that you are there for them. Be that kind of a pastor. Be that kind of a minister. Who is diligent. No, I was afraid to be a pastor. Because I've seen pastors poor. I've seen them suffering. And it's hard. And you see that hey, this guy is wearing one suit. One uh, pair of shoes. Very old. But he's dedicated to the work of God. It is because of those congregations who are not being taught. They are not taught how to take care of their ministers. The churches need to be taught how to take care of their ministers. Churches and wise leaders must put in place structures and systems to take care of their ministers. It is quite disappointing when a minister begins to find other ways of making a source of living. It is disappointing when a minister begins to change some sermons and make them an income generating kind of thing. What do you want them to do? But there's no money. They will, they will and then we talk about them. These pastors, they are eating their money. They want our monies. Whose, whose money do you want them to, to eat? Where do you want them to get money? From the church where they are working. Teach the church. Elders. Bring them together. Create systems of ensuring that there is a salary for your pastor. pastors, I might get unpopular by saying this. But pastors need to be cared for. They need salaries. They need good salaries. So that they will stay in the word. That they devote themselves into the work that you need. They need to do. That they will only focus on the work that they've been called to do. Pastors need to be paid. Do not muzzle the oxen. By saying this, it doesn't mean that these very pastors need to go to the, to the church finance department and fork out the money. These structures and systems that are in place will ensure that you do have the finance department. You will have a leadership that will ensure that the pastor is being paid. A pastor does not pay himself. A pastor does not pay himself. A pastor does not go around, around collecting tithes from uh, Yes, I didn't see you. That is not allowed. What is allowed is that a pastor needs to be paid. It is the church. It is the wise leaders that needs to come together and create structures to ensure that these people are taken care of. And then the second one. These 
faithful leaders or ministers they need to be protected. You know when we are working as a group or as a team we always have conflicts. Conflicts will always arise. And the conflicts will come because a particular leader has said something. Or a particular leader did not do something. Or a leader did not meet a particular expectation. And then some private talks will begin to take place. And then they would want to bring, bring the men or women of God to, to book. And they want to accuse the men or women. But then, uh, based on the principle that is drawn from uh, Deuteronomy, chapter 19, verse number 15. Uh, this principle is actually saying if there is any accusation that is leveled against any leader or minister, it must be not considered unless two or three witnesses are present support So in as much as uh, we can be good ministers, it doesn't mean that we are not subjected to, to criticism. The people will come and say things to us. But then there should be a way of protecting these people. We, we need to be protected. And you see, there are people who just bring accusations about the ministers. Probably the, maybe the, they wouldn't have sided with their desires. People can just accuse you for not doing what they want you to do for them. Or maybe they just hate you as a minister. Hate you. That's why it's needed for a thorough investigation to take place before a judgment is passed. Because people who wrongly accuse leaders are actually working with the devil. Because that will bring a lot of confusion in the church. If you bring in false accusations about the church, people will believe and they get confused and a lot of things will be at stake. So there is a way or uh, there is a way to handle these things. There is a way to approach these things. But also it doesn't mean that the ministers do not make any mistakes. It doesn't mean that they do not do any wrong. The scripture says those who do the wrong. It says here. Do not entertain and those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that the others may learn. Those who do wrong, you see now, it means you would have investigated and found this person to be guilty. 
Should that person be found guilty? It must not be swept under the carpet. You must not hide it. You must not say, hey, because he's my buddy. You must not say, hey, because he's a very powerful minister. You must not say, hey, because maybe he's contributing a lot in the church. You must not be afraid of losing support. Because sometimes people who are supporting the church, we are afraid to bring them to justice. any minister does anything wrong and he is proven to be guilty, that person must be brought to book. Justice needs to prevail. It says here you need to rebuke. You need to rebuke. So rebuking is to express a sharp disapproval of something or someone. It's a way of convicting or telling one's sin or fault. And say, look here, my friend, you did not do well. This is not right. This is not a proper way of doing this. Please find other ways of addressing this problem. And by addressing this person, you are doing justice. You are being fair. You are being honest as a leader. That's what Paul was saying to this young man. You will have good leaders. And he was saying good ministers will come in the church. But also bad ministers will come in the church. But you will need a way to deal with these guys. If they are found guilty, three ways to do it. Confront rebuke and restore that's the way of doing it Praise the Lord. when you are restoring when restoring and you are doing it in love so that they won't fall away so that they will love you as well so then Paul continues to give this young man instructions. He says, I've spoken about these things to you, young men. I've told you about the good ministers that deserves good uh, I've spoken to you about those who are bad. And you need to do these things. And then he says, in front of God, in front of in front of Jesus Christ, in front of angels, I urge you to do these things. I urge you to follow these things that I'm instructing you. It's like he was putting him to an oath. It was like, here is God, here are the angels, and here is Jesus Christ. You will be responsible for these things when judgment comes. When you are supposed to judge a person here on earth, do not show favoritism. Anything that you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to do with and avoid favoritism. 
Don't skip other things. Don't say, ah, no, maybe this one I won't say because it's beneficial to the church. Speak about it as it is. But speak it in love with the aim to restore. So Paul was equipping this young man. I can imagine if Timothy were hearing these things. I mean, he would be really encouraged and strengthened. He would be able to confront the issues of the church with boldness. He able to run the church very well. Most churches are being uh, disrupted or dislocated because of poor leadership. In issues of handling finances, in issues of handling sinful ministers, if those things are not properly handled in the church, the church of God is in trouble. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, in dealing with these things, don't be show any favoritism they will come to you and they want you to do some things and they want favors from you but as a minister you've got to be careful so this speaks about protecting these ministers protecting those that are doing right protecting those that are doing right. And those who are not doing well, they need to see what happens if you don't do well. And then others will learn from the experience. And then we move on to the third point. That we'll be talking about assisting these ministers. Particularly those who are supposed to come into ministry. The aspiring ones. So this part here, verse 22 to 25, because I won't read the verse, but it's speaking about, um, it's like giving a caution in terms of approving these aspiring um, ministers, those who are being ordained. I'll just read a phrase. phrase. It says, do not be hasty in laying on of hands. So this laying of hands, it's speaking of ordaining. Do not be quick to ordain. Because you might need to check other things. You may identify a person that can be a, a, a fitting candidate for minister of office. But don't ordain this person yet. There are things that you need to check. Look at their character. Look at their behavior. Look at how they handle things. Look at how they present themselves. Because there are some types of sins or behavior that can be concealed. That which can only appear later when you are now into office. Should it happen that Timothy had to ordain these people that had faults? 
uh, the Bible says he was most likely to be counted responsible or together with them in terms of sinning. That's why Paul is saying, keep yourself pure. Make sure that these things you follow them, wait for Distance yourself from shortcuts. Don't just be quick to ordain a person. Don't see yourself being able to preach and people listen to you and think you can uh, you, 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 you are able to, to, to carry the church. Actually, don't base on a particular gifting that you can handle the church. Because a gifting does not mean you can be a leader. Leadership needs a lot of training. A lot of qualities need to be evident in you. That's why some churches have got pre-ordination services. That's why some churches they have to put you to wait before you are ordained. They check you and see if you are ready. Because this is not an easy responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. Remember you are taking care of God's people. Those who are to be ordained they're supposed to have grown in faith. They're supposed to have shown a proven record and ability to handle the church affairs. That's why you must not uh, uh, must avoid in ordaining uh, in a hurry. And then you see these are things that Paul is giving to Timothy. Some of these were personal counsels that he was giving to Timothy. But then he comes to this other personal counsel. And he says to him, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your continuous ailments. Yeah, it's interesting. You see this mm. this portion of scripture. It's not easy to come out of. There are there are people who ask, we have got different interests with the, with regards to this portion of scripture. But what I discovered is that this was a counsel that was given to Timothy. In the Old Testament times, in the region where Timothy was operating from. They were drinking water from streams. And the water that they were drinking was kind of like contaminated. Mostly when they were drinking that type of water, they would boil first before they consume it. That's to avoid diarrhea or any stomach problem. But now we hear that Timothy was drinking water too much. Probably the two reasons that I thought of. There was a group of Isanis, people called Isanis, which was a sect that devoted themselves to a pure life. The way they were thinking, they wanted to get closer to God by refraining from certain things. They, they didn't want to eat particular food. 
in fact they were saying no to a lot of things don't do this don't do that no to this and probably not drinking of wine this is me thinking probably Timothy would have said because of not drinking of wine I should only drink water but also because of the of the qualities listed in in chapter 3 not give yourself to wine you must not be a drunkard probably Timothy was actually afraid of indulging in wine business and end up getting a drunkard and then disqualifying himself these are my personal thoughts it's not anybody's commentary no. i'm just thinking it's not anybody's commentary but what i'm realizing here is that is that Iguti. This wine here, little wine. wine that Paul was prescribing to Timothy. He was not prescribing it as a beverage. But he was prescribing it as a medicine. The little wine had a medical value into this body. That's why because of your stomach problems. Take little wine. You know the wine has got quantities. That's why he's saying little wine. My little wine. You would want to take little wine here, all of you. Would you want to take it? I don't know, but do you have stomach problems? Do you have conditions? So this, this counsel was specifically for people with those kind of problems. But yes, we want to accommodate ourselves and do a little wine business. But he was advising this young man. God, I last told you, Paul, like he was against drinking of water. But this was simply a medical advice. Not a person kind of a behavior. And then he continues to say, is uh, warning, warning him against premature uh, uh, assessment. Because uh, he was saying uh, the sins are actually obvious. All right, uh, my time is gone. I would have loved to say some things here, but anyway, it's actually at the end of my talk. In a minute or so. If you have got ministers, if they are doing well, if they are preaching, teaching, being evident in your lives, as a church, being relevant to you, to your spiritual lives, to your spiritual lives, take care of them. Go, go to meetings in your church if you are in a if you are involved in a meeting. See to it that your ministers will get compensated very well. But also if you are a minister here, be diligent. Be sure 
Start the word of God. Show yourself approved. Be diligent in doing ministry. So that you may be honored. In, in ordaining ministers. Check, don't be in a rush. No matter how much you like this young man. No matter how much you like this lady. Take time before you ordain them. Because this is serious business. It's a very serious business. God's business. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If it encouraged you, please share it with a friend. If you or someone you know is interested in studying at UPI, visit our website at www.upi.ac.za or find us on social media at Union Bible Institute.